Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, thank you for joining me on this late night, now postseason edition of the Patriots Report. My name is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. We got a ton of questions, thoughts, comments, concerns from you guys on Twitter after the 47-17 playoff loss, the wild card defeat, the hands of the Buffalo Bills this evening. I want to get to all of them, but I have a few thoughts real quickly off the top of my head. First one, this game in my mind, was for all of those blowouts that the Patriots put on the Bills over the years. For for all of, you know, the laughers and the, you know, the the Bills being a punchline, the wins, the the consistent wins over almost two decades worth of football. I, I, I think really, and I'm not talking about from a karmic perspective, but, you know, when they had the big guy touchdown at the very, very end, when they made it 47-10, that for me, just kind of put it over the top for the Bills. And look, you know, they really got, really got beaten up badly over, you know, the 20 year span. And so I can't say as I blame them for doing what they did, but look, that you're kidding yourself. If that was, you know, you thought only one game was in play there. I I think that'd been a long time coming if you're a Bills fan. And part of it happened last December in Foxborough when Buffalo came in and really blew out New England. But this game, if you look at it individually, there's a history there, and, and I could understand why Bills fans reacted the way they did and why they were, you know, as happy as they are moving forward because they got a chance to blow out the Patriots, and they're moving on to the divisional round. So what happened to this team? What happened to this New England team? They were 9-4. and four. They'd won seven in a row coming out of the bye. They lost three of four then to finish off the regular season, and now they have one of the worst playoff losses in franchise history tacked on to their resume. Was it health, personnel, coaching, execution down the stretch? I think the offense right now has fewer questions than the defense, and I'll tell you why. First of all, you found the quarterback. I mean, it starts with that. You, you found your guy for theoretically the next, what, 10 years? And it starts with that. And that's hopefully what makes you a competitive team. And look, I, I think that Mac played a large role. In them going from seven and nine to, to 10 and seven or 10 and eight, if you want to include the playoff loss, and getting into the postseason. I will say it's on him now to make those adjustments. And I talked about this over the course of the week with some people on this podcast, with some people in Buffalo, that one of the things that stood out for me about him after the bye was that he had a look of a young pitcher who had gone through the rotation once or gone through the lineup once, I should say. And enjoyed a, you know, a measure of success. And now he's facing guys, you know, the second and third time, and they're kind of figuring him out a little bit. And so I think it's on him now to be able to make those adjustments this off season. I think he, I'm confident he can do it, but it's on him to be able to take his game from here to here. I also think there were some issues when you talk about complementary football down the stretch. They did not do enough to put their young quarterback into winnable situations. They did not do a good job setting him up for success with the obvious exception of that Jacksonville game. Whether it's defense, whether it's special teams, whether it's the guys around him, the offensive difference makers, it was a muddle down the stretch and into the postseason. And you saw that over the last month plus. He was clearly not the same quarterback that started the year playing as well as he did. So I think, like I said, a lot of it is on him. 
I think he did a very good job. I think he did as well as could be expected over the course of his rookie year, playing quarterback for a team, getting into the playoffs and enjoying, uh, like I said, a measure of success. But now it's going to be on him moving forward to be able to make those adjustments, to be able to expand his game, to be able to take his game to another level. So opposing defenses will try to, you know, have to figure him out moving forward after that. So you have Mac, you have an offense with a steady ground game in no particular order at wide receiver. You have Bourne, Myers, tight end Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. I mean, you have to figure that Jonu Smith is going to be better in 2022 than he was this past season. James White will be one year older, but he's back. He joins a very deep room of running backs. I mean, offensively, I think you feel okay. Maybe maybe okay is not the word, but you, you feel better about your situation than you do on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive side of the ball, there are more issues there. I mean, tonight was just kind of the capper. They're slow. They're sluggish. They're committing bad mistakes. This defense was supposed to be the strength of this team. And for probably first half of the year, two-thirds of the year, it was. Look, you know, you, you take the numbers for what they're worth. This was one of the best scoring defenses in the league over the course of the regular season. A lot of those numbers were put up over the first two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of the season before the bye week. But after the bye week, something happened to this group. They have to get younger. I like the fact that they have Duggar and Barmore and some of those youngsters. But while they took pains to get deeper on offense last season, maybe this is the offseason where they do that on the defensive side of the ball. And what happened to Matthew Judah? I mean, I was pumping this guy's tires over the first three quarters of the season. I called him the thinking man's defensive player of the year. This was a guy who in a lot of ways, came in and changed the culture. I love the the interview that I did with Ted Johnson where he compared him to Rodney Harrison in that they wanted him to come in here and take ownership of this defense. I think in a lot of ways he did. Now, he missed a stretch because of COVID, and I have to wonder if that figured into his lack of production down the stretch and into the playoffs, but something was happening there. Something happened with this guy where he just went south, and, and I, I can't put my finger on it. I'm going to have to go back and kind of rewatch more film and talk to some people around the league, but Matthew Judon was not the same player tonight and over the last three or four games of the regular season than he was for the first 12, 13 games this year. He was one of those guys that they needed to have a great game tonight, and he did not do that. There were a lot of guys who were guilty of that, but I think the level of expectation on Judon, even with his struggles down the stretch, is such that they needed him to step forward this evening, and he didn't do it. Look, and this is just an aside here, real quick. One thing that makes me sad, I'm not going to lie, this could be the last game, or could have been the last game for Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, and Dante Hightower. Those three guys, they are champions in the truest sense of the word, and they head into an offseason of tremendous uncertainty. Look, I, I'm a sentimental old fool, and I, I would love to have those three guys back. I would love to have them a part of this roster moving forward, and maybe you can find a spot for them somewhere. I don't know at a reduced rate, but but those guys, they're coming to the crossroads of their career, and Foxborough is going to be a lesser place if Devin McCourty, Matthew Slater, and Dante Hightower aren't around anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens to them, and it's going to be interesting to see how the team deals with them moving forward, because there's some questions, like I said, on both sides of the ball, but, but those are three that start off, you know, what are you going to do with JC Jackson? You're going to pay him. You're going to go out and find another cornerback who's, you know, who can 
put up something resembling those kind of numbers. I don't think those kind of cornerbacks exactly grow on trees. And so that's going to be another challenge of this off season, but that's that down the road. It's a greater question for, for another day. Uh, and one thing that I do have to address here too, and maybe I'm just being, you know, the, the grumpy old man here, but I, I heard a lot of comparisons saying that this was the worst playoff loss and comparing it to 2009, in the wild card loss to the Ravens at home, 33 to 14, you know, and Ray Rice had the first carry of the game and took it for a touchdown. And you knew that game was over at that point. The Patriots couldn't get anything started. They ended up losing 33 to 14. Statistically, this game was worse than that one. But for me, I still say the 09 loss was worse for a few reasons, including the fact that it was at home. And that was just as ugly as you can get when you're talking about home losses. I mean, I mean, I remember Ravens players dancing off the field saying, you know, the dynasty is over, Patriots are dead. And, and to his credit, I think Bill recognized that this offseason, that, that offseason between 09 and, and 2010, he fumigated the locker room, got rid of a lot of guys who really didn't fit the program or weren't always on the program, and came back in 2010, had one of probably the two best drafts of his career as a GM. We got McCourty, Gronkowski. Brandon Spikes, Aaron Hernandez, Zoltan Mesco. That was a really good draft. And they were 14 and two in 2010. So look, it can be done. But I think really this is another situation where it's all going to depend on the reaction. I think this is going to go down as one of the two or three worst. This is one of the worst losses, regular season or postseason, that I can remember. I remember the, the, the 31 to nothing loss to start the 2003 season. That was bad. But I still think the 2009 playoff loss was worse because it was at home and you had a team that had enjoyed such a level of success up to that point in the season. And I think the expectations on that 2019, even though they were relatively miserable for a long period of time that year, that was a miserable team to cover. And I don't think the 2021 team belongs in that category. And I think that's one of the reasons why the 2009 loss was worse. I think the expectations were greater on that 2009 team and to have them suffer that loss I think tells you all that you need to know about that team. So I'm willing to put this one in category being one of the worst losses that I've seen, but I don't think it's quite the worst playoff regular season or postseason loss that, that I've seen in my time covering the Patriots. We got a bunch of questions. You guys were great. I'm telling you, you guys on Twitter there, I have such a love hate relationship with Twitter these days, but you guys came through with a lot of really good questions going to start with Jason, Jason Kappel. I'm going to mispronounce some of these names, so but you guys just bear with me here. It's late. It's been a long day. Jason Kappel, the biggest draft need. Wide receiver, question mark. Linebacker, question mark. Cornerback, question mark. Defensive line, question mark. I would say yes, 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 yes. Those four. Although, you know, I, I know that Patriots fans are going to get all jittery when we talk about the wide receivers in the draft. But they need to get a stud. They need to get a number one wide receiver, whether it's free agency, the draft, whatever the case may be. You're, you're letting Mac down. If you, ro- if you roll out next year with this group, you really are. You, 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 you have a group that, like I said before, that you like. Jacoby Myers is dependable. Kendrick Bourne is dependable. You know, But to continue the baseball analogies, the Patriots at wide receiver have a bunch of second and third starters. They need a one. They need a Pedro. You know, They need a, a Chris Sale. And whether that comes in the draft or whether that comes in free agency, they need an immediate upgrade at wide receiver. Linebacker, they're going to get it. We mentioned Dante Hightower before, I think. 
there are going to be some other questions about what you want to do with that position. Cornerback, biggest question there, like I said, is J.C. Jackson. And I think that you kind of have to work off whatever decision you make when it comes to J.C. Jackson. Defensive line, I don't want to say you feel okay about it, but you feel better than the other three positions. You like Barmore. Barmore, for me, was maybe the team rookie of the year, non-Mac Jones division. You put him in that group. I think he had a really impactful year. I'd love the fact that multiple guys that I talked to over the course of the season, including Matt Chatham, called him, you know, basically a Richard Seymour type. And I think he's got room to grow. I'm not going to put him in Canton yet, but he's the kind of guy you could build around. You like Barmore. You like Godshaw. You figure Judon is going to figure it out sooner rather than later. So you're okay there. You're not great, but you feel better about some of those other positions that, you know, you listed there. Those, that's a good question, Jason. Uh, Thomas comes up with, dude, is there a slower defense in the league? They were completely exposed. Were they completely exposed? I don't know if they were completely exposed. I'll say this. It wasn't their finest hour. And I, I think that, you know, really first and foremost, the biggest thing when you're talking about slowing Josh Allen down is to not let him break off those design runs. He had six carries for, I think it was 66 yards tonight. You can't do that. There was a 26-yarder in the early going that kind of set the tone. One of those runs he had in the first half, there were multiple guys that missed, including Hightower. But that was just, that was a miserable stretch. It, it, it was for this defense. They got to figure it out. Look, Buffalo's going to score a lot of points against a lot of good defenses. But if you want to consider yourself the gold standard, if you want to be able to run with Buffalo for a long time in this division, and I think there's a chance that you can, I think this is the start of a really good rivalry between these two franchises. You're going to have to play better defense. You're going to have to improve your team speed on defense. There's a lot of guys that I like that they have on the defensive side of the ball that they can build around, but they're going to have some tough questions. Like I said, McCourty, Hightower, those types of guys, you're going to have to figure those out those situations out sooner rather than later. JJC says, fire Steve Belichick. Well, that's not going to happen. I can tell you that, you know, and Belichick is going to be, he's going to be part of this team moving forward. Now, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens if Gerard Mayo leaves. And that's something I want to address down the road here. But look, if, you know, Gerard Mayo leaves, I'm curious if they're going to give Steve Belichick more responsibility if they're going to change his responsibility moving forward, I, I think he's also honestly probably a convenient target because he's the son of the head coach. So I don't think that maybe necessarily he's completely at fault here, but I think he might be part of the conversation. Parappa says, well, Janu Smith's breakout game happened before Halloween next year. We were told emphatically it was definitely coming soon. Well, first of all, Parappa, I didn't tell you that, but I am willing to put the Janu Smith quandary in the biggest questions when you talk about the 2021 Patriots. What happened? Where was he? You know, there have been situations, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, there have been situations where you can look at Janu Smith and see him running down the middle of the field wide open. Was it Mac just not looking for him? Was it him not picking up on the offense? Was it... You know, a lot of mouths to feed on the offensive side of the ball, particularly in the passing game. It just never seemed to click this year for Jonu Smith. Now, he's a guy who I think could fit in very nicely if they find a role for him. You know, there's there's obviously, there's there's obvious talent there. It's got to find a spot for him. And that should be one of the priorities of this team moving forward. 
John in Kentucky says, excluding quarterback play, is it possible to overreact after this game? Probably not. Look, I, I was firmly in the camp of regardless of what happened this evening, this year was a success for this Patriots team. And I'm probably more optimistic than most, but at the same time, you go from seven and nine to 10 and seven, 10 and eight again with the postseason loss, but you get back to the playoffs and that's a win. That's a plus given where you were the year before. I always go back and I compare it to the, you know, the Broncos after Elway left, there were a couple of down years, but they were able to make it back to the playoffs. And maybe the level of expectation was different. And maybe we should have had a different level of expectation for this team. But I think the seven-game win streak kind of threw us off there a little bit. Maybe they, were, they weren't they were that good. Maybe that win streak was a little bit artificial. So we'll see. But excluding quarterback play, is it possible to overreact after this game? This is the kind of game where, regardless of how things played out over the course of the regular season, you start to question things a little bit. This is the kind of loss that's going to leave a mark on this franchise for a little bit moving forward. And I wonder if the coaching careers, the potential head coaching careers of guys like Gerard Mayo or you know Josh McDaniels, although he's not really a part of the conversation this offseason, but if that changes the overall thought process, the overall conversation that we have about the 2021 Patriots, that maybe they weren't as good as we thought they were. You know, and I think a lot of that was reinforced by their play down the stretch and into the postseason. P says, do you feel like it's time for Bill to step down? No. No. Although we can split this question into two parts. Do you feel like Bill, it's time for Bill to step down as the coach or the GM? I don't think it's time for him to step down as the coach. I do think there is a conversation to be had about Bill Belichick getting some help from a personnel perspective. The guys that he's had in there for long, long, long periods of time, Scott Pioli, Nick Casario, he doesn't really have a counterpoint in the organization. I think he needs a counterpoint. I think he needs another person in there with him. Look, Bill's going to make the final decision. We all know that. But it helps to have a guy in there who's a personnel guy who can look at something with a fresh set of eyes. So I don't feel like it's time for Bill to step down as a coach or GM, but I do think they need to create some scaffolding there in that front office, provide some support for Bill from a GM's perspective. So he can have, like, is that a counterpoint moving forward? Joe Dirt 99 says this whole game is different if Brandon Bolden doesn't drop that wide open walk-in TD pass. Sometimes the better team doesn't win. Meh. Look, Joe, I love you, but there was no way the Patriots were beating the Bills tonight. Patriots didn't show up. They weren't ready. They weren't. And look, if Brandon Bolden catches that pass, maybe it's not a 30-point loss. Maybe it's a 20-point loss or a 14-point loss. In you know, at the time, it was a bad drop. But at the same time, look, I, the Bills were going to win this game. Patriots weren't ready. Patriots weren't plugged in. They, they, they weren't set. They, they were not prepared. And it showed on the scoreboard. Tomato Larry Bird. Belichick to the Giants as president, GM, and coach. Kraft makes McDaniels head coach. Mayo takes over the defense. Crazy, yes. Impossible, no. Crazy, yes. Impossible, probably. I've stopped giving certainties when it comes to the Patriots and what they do because the instant that you say something that, you know, you, you say that they won't do something, they inevitably end up doing something. 
you know, so I'm never going to say that's hundred percent never going to happen, but I, I don't see that happening as I sit here right now. I think it's going to be the status quo for this franchise moving forward. I think Bob Kraft is going to remain as the owner. Obviously you're going to see Belichick continue as the coach slash GM. Although, like I said before, I would like to see him get someone else in that front office. And I don't think that you're going to lose many coaches. You know, there's still the possibility that Mayo gets an interview, but I don't think Mayo's heading anywhere, at least this offseason. He's going to become a head coach. Gerard Mayo will be a head coach one day, just not this offseason. Gary Smith, I'm just a bit surprised Bills fans ran out of dildos to throw on the field after Bourne's last TD. Strange. (laughs) You know the first time that happened in Buffalo that I saw that? I, I was convinced that it was not what it was. But look, man, that's Buffalo. Weird stuff happens. They throw goofy stuff on the field. It's part of the Buffalo Bills, what do they call it now, Highmark Stadium? The Highmark Stadium experience, you know, along with Zubaz and jump through tables and all that other fun stuff. TJ Kerr, is it time for staff changes, not just roster changes? I don't think we're going to see staff changes. It may be time for staff changes, but I don't think we're going to see staff changes. La Machine says, nothing to see here. This was as expected. I thought the Bills were going to win this game. I did. I had the Bills, I think it was 20 to 17 when I made my prediction tonight for for the website. And I felt good about that prediction for, for a few reasons. Look, Buffalo's a good team. You know, they played well at home. They're tough. They've played well ever since that first loss to the Patriots and, you know, halftime of that Tampa Bay game where they appeared to wake up and just kind of flip the switch and realize, you know, who they are and just how much talent they have on both sides of the ball. So when you say nothing to see here, this was expected. I think a loss was expected, but I don't think anyone thought we were going to see a 30-point loss. So I think that's something that really stands out for me when you're talking about this level of defeat. We thought they were going to lose. I I don't think anyone's surprised that they lost, but a 30-point loss, it's awful, awful, awful difficult to work with. Rich McPherson says... What is the biggest patron? What is the biggest need in the offseason? Is it the receiving core or is it Mac? The receiving core right now. They got to get, again, like I said before, you got to get a number one wide receiver in there. Whether you go to, you know, and look at Alabama wide receivers, you know, cover up a lot of deficiencies in the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, that's what you should be doing at this point if you're a Patriots fan. And look, we're going to get into an awful lot of offseason stuff, we're going to be doing a lot of draft stuff. A lot of free agency stuff. We're going to make an, we're going to have another visit from Miguel, my buddy Pat's cap, and he's going to kind of lay out what's possible here for the Patriots this offseason. I have to imagine they're a little bit hamstrung with some of their, you know, some of their cap situation. I don't think they're going to be as aggressive this offseason as they were last offseason. But when you say is it the receiving core is in Mac, I think it's more of the receiving core. I think they do have questions that they need to address, but I think it's more about the receiving core. The age of the defense, Mark Morse says, you know, that's his biggest question, his biggest concern, the age of the defense. I'm right there with you, Mark. I am. This is a team that needs to get younger on the defensive side of the ball. They need an infusion of speed. They need playmakers. You know, uh, Jamie Collins looked old. Jamie Collins looked slow. I Like I said, I love McCourty. I love Hightower. The core of those guys, 
They've won so many big games. They've been so important to the success of this franchise. But this franchise has some big questions about this defense moving forward. David Sopsack says, how much of a cap it is it to cut Aguilar? Henry Aguilar-Smith, two catches, 48 yards, and how much money next year? That's one thing that we're going to address with Miguel moving forward. I'm efforting to get him on the podcast this week because we do have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. And, you know, what are they going to do? What are they going to look like? Can they cut Aguilar? I'm, you know, out of that group, I don't think Aguilar and Nikhil Harry are going to be here next year. I'll say that. But I think Jonu Smith is going to hang around. You know, you you, got to figure, you got to, you know, hook him up to the jumper cables or something. Get him in the building. You got to figure a way to, to, you know, to, to get him some, you know, get him some looks, get him more involved in the offense than he was, you know, over the last, what, over the, the entire season. It really was when, when you go back and you look at disappointing years for this Patriots team, John U. Smith is right there. And again, I don't know how you fix that right now. I don't know what you can do when you're talking about John U. Smith to try and get him involved in the offense. I, I don't think it's the only question that they have, but look, if you get John U. Smith working, you get James White back, you feel an awful lot better about the state of your offense than you do right now. It's going to be a help. Matt Cormier, a little salty tonight. You effing kidding me? You can't gather your own topics? Only three players show up. Kendrick Bourne, Mac Jones, Hunter Henry. 75% of the team didn't show up. The coaching blue. Effing embarrassing. You didn't say effing, though. Said something else. But we're going to clean it up here because this is a family podcast. You know, Mac, other than taking a shot at me, um, I don't have too many issues with what you said. This is a team that didn't show up to play. And we saw this, 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 this was a problem for this team over the course of the last month plus, dating back to the bye, where they couldn't figure out how to put together, you know, a good start. And look, I, I, I'm fully aware, I'm fully cognizant of the fact that it's a point of emphasis every week. You want to play well out of the gate. You want to take it to the other team. They didn't do it down the stretch. They got down 14 to nothing, I think it was against Indianapolis. Buffalo went up 20 to seven on them early in the third quarter. That was back on December 26th. It went down 14 to nothing against Miami. And then there was the Jacksonville game. And tonight they were down 20, 27 to three at halftime. If you are a running team, if you want to run the ball, if you want to play smart physical football, if you want to control the clock, if you want to win the time of possession battle, which is what they did when they were at their best over the course of the season. You can't start like that. You can't play games like they've played over the last month or so. And look, it's important to note here, I'm not a big believer in momentum. I think momentum going into the postseason is overrated. It's more important to be healthy. And so I understand why they rested Duggar. I understand why they rested Hightower. You can go back and you look and you can look at teams, even this Patriots team back in 2018 when they won it all. I think they split it, you know, the, the last four games down the stretch. So momentum is a little bit overrated. A lot of teams, some teams, Tampa Bay last year, those are teams, you know, they're teams that played well in the stretch and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. But I think for a lot of teams, momentum is overrated. That being said, you lose three or four in the fashion that you lost to them going into the postseason, it's going to be awful tough to rebound from that. And we saw this team lose three or four in a very specific fashion. They weren't ready at the start. They had to fight to dig themselves out of a hole and they just didn't have it down the stretch at the end of the game. 
because they came back in the Colts game. They came back in the Dolphins game. They had a chance in both of those games. The Bills game, the first Bills game, you can kind of argue it was still you know, 33-21. They had a shot, but not really. Quick starts. Quick starts are everything. Yeah, you know that Bills game here, the December 26th Bills game, they cut it to 26-21 midway through the fourth quarter. So they had a shot. They did. That was a winnable game. So those three regular season losses down the stretch, the Colts, Bills, the Dolphins, they created winnable scenarios for themselves after those poor starts. Saturday night against Buffalo, it was none of that. And I think one of the things that we've learned here is that you can kind of afford to play around with some of those weaker teams, you know, or the struggle against them. You know, they caught the Titans at a good time. They, you know, they beat them 36 to 13. Caught the Browns at a good time, 45-7. Carolina, the Chargers, the Jets, you know, you can fool around with the Texans. You can. You can play a lousy half of football and still come back and win that game. You can't do that down the stretch when there are games that you have to win. So I think for me, the biggest takeaway when you talk about this team is that the expectation level shifted over the course of the season from start to finish, the 2021 season. They started two and four. We said, well, you know, maybe they're not as good as we think they are. Then they win seven straight in our expectation level, probably grows to a point where it's just absolutely unrealistic. They go nine and four. They're sitting in the driver's seat and they weren't a number one seed. They really weren't, you know, they played well over the course of the year and they got hot at the right time against some good teams. And, you know, the high watermark of the season. Now we can definitely look back and say that Monday night game against the bills in Buffalo, December 6th, when they won 14 to 10 and they ran the ball, you know, 90% of the time, Mac Jones only threw three passes. They played great defense. And they got consistent play on both sides of the ball. And they went to nine and four. And at that point, they looked like the best team in the AFC, but they weren't. And so now we're left to face an offseason where they finished 10 and seven, 10 and eight with a playoff loss. And we question ourselves that, you know, is this team, was this a successful team? Was this a successful season? It's going to be interesting to see it all play out. But a loss like that, you know, even for an optimistic guy like me, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. I guess that's what it comes down to. In 2009, that playoff loss, Bill responded by Fumi getting in the locker room, having the, one of the best drafts of his career. And they're 14-2 and two the next season. Of course, they had Tom Brady under center. So, you know, you kind of take it for what it's worth. Can Bill put together another stellar offseason and take this team from 10-7 and seven to 12-5 and five, or 13-4? and four? That's the real test. That's the challenge for him in this franchise moving forward. This offseason, guys, we are going to have all sorts of fantastic content. Like I said, we're going to be doing a lot of pre-draft stuff. We're going to be doing a lot of free agency stuff. I'm going to have Miguel back on probably once a month, hopefully, if I can get him, because nobody knows more about the cap situation than he does. So he's going to be a good guy for me to lean on to try and figure out what's going on with this team this offseason, how much financial flexibility they have. I want to thank you guys for listening, downloading, listening, and subscribing over the course of this season and offering up your questions, concerns, comments, even you, Matt, with your profanity. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, everything, guys. Thank you so, so much for your time. I hope you guys enjoy this, and I hope you guys continue to download, listen, and subscribe to the Patriots Report moving forward. Take care, everyone, and we'll talk soon.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.